Welcome back to Table Talk, the show about challenging your faith and answering the hard questions in Christianity. I'm Clay, your host, and I can't wait to see what God has in store. Welcome back to Table Talk with Clay. I'm your host, Clay, and on tonight's episode, we'll be continuing our conversation about becoming a prayer warrior. So, if you were with us for last week's episode, I do want to reiterate what I said at the beginning, right? We're facing a global pandemic right now, and I think the most important thing that we as both listeners and me as your host can do is continue to keep those in prayer that need it. Further, I think it's important that we follow what the CDC says. Those guidelines are important and developed by science individuals who know much more about the medical community than I do, and also many of our listeners, those in the medical field, thank God for you, right? You guys have been absolutely incredible. In fact, to all first responders and what we now consider essential personnel, not only, you know, our our first responders, but also those who are working diligently at the grocery stores and keeping those running, those are working at the, uh, the, the pharmacies and keeping those important medications online for people who need them, you guys are incredible, and I thank God for you. So let's just take time out of our days. Let's pray for you know the recovery of COVID-19 victims. Let's pray for first responders and, and those who are still working and taking care of making sure that our needs as citizens are met. Let's pray for our leaders and make sure that they know that you know we support them and that you know this this COVID thing is so much more than just a a political position it's so much more than just you know different sides and and it shouldn't be about that it should be about saving people's lives it should be about uh decreasing this virus And, and i think it's also important that we take time and we pray about it right that we pray that this virus goes away not that we just pray for the victims but you know god has all of the power in the world and yeah sin came into the world because of us and i think that it's really easy to see that, you know, this is this is a repercussion of sin at the end of the day. All sickness, all death is, uh, but God has power over death. He's conquered it so many times before, and he's going to conquer it so many times again. So without further ado, let's get into tonight's episode. So last week, we, we started by talking about these different types of prayer, and we talked about some activities that we could do uh, in order to start to develop our our discipline in prayer, our spiritual discipline. This week, we're talking about developing a battle plan. So, with developing a battle plan, I think it's important that we start by talking about the armor of God. So, if you're a listener and you've heard of the armor of God, I think a lot of times uh, that that conversation starts out, um, you know, in Sunday school, and it kind of gets left there, right? It's this cool thing that we take a cool picture of and and you know we talk about it a little bit the guys think it's cool right there's this armor that's mentioned in scripture but it's kind of left at that so starting off the conversation um I, i'd encourage readers to look at ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18 and, and and after you look at that i want you to think you know what does the armor of god actually mean to you Is it, you know, like we mentioned, something that you saw in Sunday school? Is it a cool phrase that we use to describe, you know, something spiritual that we may not, I guess, understand? Um, And 
about the pieces. You know, what do these pieces mean to you? So I want you to kind of think about that before we dive into at least my interpretation and my belief on what these are, right? So we start off um, with the belt of truth. Uh, if you'd also like to cross-reference uh, all of all of these different discussions, you can also see the belt of truth in Isaiah 11, 5, as well as many other parts of scripture, but that was the, uh, the, the first one that I saw that also mentioned it. So this is the truth of Christ over Satan's, right? I, I want you to think about the functionality of a belt. What does it do? It holds your pants up. It, it pulls your outfit together. It keeps you, you know, contained. It keeps you, um, I, I guess, straps around you and keeps you whole in a sense. So I, I think the belt of truth really represents how that truth, God's truth, is what fastens us together. It, it keeps us tight. It keeps us on the right path. Um, and, and also think about the narrowness of a belt, right? The leather or the fabric that your belt is created out of, it isn't huge. It has to be narrow enough to fit through the, the loops on your pants, right? So, so the narrowness of that path, I think, is also representative of the path that God calls us to. You know, there's not a whole lot of way one way or another in, in the path that God calls us to follow. And I don't want to say that, you know, God's path is somehow smooth, like the leather of a belt or the fabric of a belt, because I don't think that's the case. I think that, you know, the path that God calls us to is oftentimes much harder than the one that we would like to take. But think about the narrowness and also think about, especially in times like today, you know, the truth of Christ over Satan's. The belt of truth represents this amazing fact that God's truth is so much more powerful than anything else that has ever been or will ever be. God's truth is is over this world. It's over each one of us. And the promises that he, he makes, he has always kept and always will keep. So moving on from there, we get to the belt, breastplate excuse me, of righteousness. Uh, again, you can see this in Isaiah. Uh, go to chapter 59, verse 17, and you'll see a mention of the breastplate again. So, before talking, I think, about the breastplate, it's important to define what righteousness means, at least in my words. So I think righteousness really for us means being morally correct or upright. And I, and I guess we could probably replace morally with, you know, being, being Christ-like, right? Being upright in your faith. The breastplate, if you think about what a breastplate, you know, a, a physical breastplate does, it protects your heart and your organs. It protects all those important things from damage. And I think Christ intends, you know, righteousness to do the exact same thing. By being Christ-like, we protect our heart, right? We, we protect our, our other vital organs, our soul. We protect all of those from the attacks of the enemy, right? And it's not a physical battle. Like, we've already established that this is, this is a spiritual armor of God, right? This isn't something cool you get when you become a Christian. They don't hand you a, a big body suit of armor as soon as you join the church. Instead, it's a spiritual gift, right? This is, this is spiritual armor that you can use when you're struggling um, to defeat the enemy through God's help. Um, number three are the shoes of the gospel. Again, going back to Isaiah, if we go to Isaiah 52.7, the shoes of the gospel are again mentioned, right? And I think these shoes represent readiness, 
at, at some point in our lives, God is going to call us to do things that we don't want to do. Um, he's going to call us to things that are uncomfortable and out of our comfort zone. He's going to prepare us for these things, and he's going to obviously give us the equipment for these things. But we have to know that, you know, with the shoes of the gospel, with the Great Commission, we, we are called to spread that gospel. And readiness, as I think these shoes represent, is meaning to say that wherever God calls us, wherever God leads, we have to be ready to go. And yeah, there's going to be fear sometimes, but we have to go without hesitation and we have to put our faith in God that he's going to protect us if he called us into those deep waters. You know, no matter how uncertain or unsure we are, God gives us peace. And these shoes of the gospel, I think, represent that as well as representing the fact that, you know, when God calls you to strap up your sandals and get going, then he expects you to strap on the sandals and get going. Um, Number four is the shield of faith. So think about a shield. Obviously, a shield is a, a protective um, tool, right? It's, it's not offensive, it's defensive. We're shielded by the faith we have in God, right? The, the shield is your strongest piece of armor, right? Because it's not attached to your body. You know, you think about a breastplate. I think breastplates are pretty strong. Right? I'm not a medieval soldier, but I, I, I would think that a breastplate would be pretty strong. But think about how much stronger a shield is. Right? It's a mobile piece of armor. I can, I can move it to where I need it to be to protect my weak spots. It's not in place. It's not against my body. The only place it really touches me is my arm. Right? So I'm able to move that protection around. I, I'm able to defend where I need defended. And I think the temptation attacks, you know, doubt and, and fear and all of these different things that the devil launches at us, we're able to conquer those through faith. And that's what the shield represents, right? Faith is mobile. Faith is a gift that God has given us that says, you know, if you have faith in me, I will protect you from anything that comes your way. And so use it, you know, use it mobily like you would a shield. You know, Satan can't penetrate this shield. Um, he, he can't, he, he can't get through your faith. I, I think it's important to note that, you know, when attacks get through the shield of faith, when attacks get through our defenses, it's because we lower our defenses. Not because God decides that your faith isn't enough, or that God says, you know, you're, you're not good enough for this tool, I'm going to take it away from you. That's not what it is. It's when we lower our defenses, whether, you know, by intentionally following, falling, excuse me, into that temptation or into the pain, or whether, you know, um, something happens and we let our guard down. But I think it's important that we know that, you know, God is constant and God has given us these amazing tools for our defense. And as we'll see here soon, our offense. Number five, we see the helmet of salvation. Uh, this is seen again in 1 John 1, 9. But our salvation is protected, right? Think about your head. If you don't have your head, you're obviously not alive. We're, we're saved by Christ and on, on that, and because of that, you know, our minds can be at peace. We don't have to worry, you know, oh no, am I going to go to hell? Oh no, did I do enough good actions and good deeds today to make it to heaven? That's not what it's about, right? Our salvation is enough, not because of us, but because God is enough, and because he gave us the gift of salvation. And, and your head and your mind is so vital in that battle, right? You know, maybe my heart's in it, but if my mind's not, if my, if my mind's not 
in it, if my mind isn't dedicated to following God and thinking about, you know, Christ-like things, then I'm opening myself up to attack. And the head requires protection because of that. It's vulnerable, right? I think it's the same thing in battle, right? Why did people protect their heads so much? Because it was the most vulnerable part of the body. If I can, you know, I guess to to use maybe a Call of Duty reference, if I can get headshots, I do way more damage than if I just shoot at the body. Again, this is virtual. But if I can hit the head, then I get way more um, damage than, than I do in the head. And I think Satan uses the exact same strategy. If I can get in your head, if I can make you confused, if I can get you to you know, start thinking that maybe God isn't enough or that maybe I'm not enough and, you know, my salvation isn't enough and how can this amazing God who sacrificed his son for me, how can that be sufficient for me and for my sin? I think when that kind of stuff starts to take over, we really start to lose our grasp on what it's all about. And and so I think that's why the helmet of salvation is so important. And then lastly, we see the sword of the spirit. If you look in Hebrews 4.12, you'll see mention of this sword again. And it's the only offensive weapon that is listed in the spirit or the uh, armor of God, excuse me. You know, the the word of God is a living and and breathing truth. It's why it's so important that we study the Bible. And and it's even more important that we know scripture, right? Scripture is a double-edged sword. It It cuts right? It's truth. It, it has the truth in it. And we're able to use that to combat the darkness in this world. And, and that's not to say that you should go on a street corner and start screaming out that the end is near and that you have all the answers and that God hates, you know, this group of people or that group of people. That's not at all what I'm encouraging you to do. What I'm encouraging you to do is to know your scripture so that you have you know, an actual defense against the things that Satan throws at you so that you can attack back instead of just taking hits because God allows you to do that. When you, you know, when, when you speak, you know, through God, when, when you speak truth, the Spirit fights for you. You know, you, you don't have to fight the battle. Because I promise you if, you, if you try and take that battle into your own hands, 10 out of 10 times you're going to lose. This is just how it is. We're not strong enough. You know, but through the Spirit and through God, you know, fighting for us, we're invincible, literally invincible. As all things come from God, you know, He gives us the strength to conquer sin. And, and as we've talked about already, he, He's already conquered death and He continues to do so. So why wouldn't He fight for you in this instance? And, and I think it's also, lastly, kind of important when we're speaking, I guess, about each one of the individual pieces it's important that you use prayer in your walk, right? Because without prayer, uh, I can almost guarantee that these pieces of armor are going to be super unhelpful to you, right? These are spiritual pieces of armor. They're not literal, uh, but but God uses this imagery for a reason, right? He, he uses it because it's powerful. When you think about a soldier, at least you know, I guess at the time, it was a really easy image for people to understand donning on armor. I guess it's not as easy anymore um, without the use of of armor, but we've all been in a history class. We all understand what it means. God gives us that armor to protect ourselves and to fight back, to, to provide us with, you know, imagery that shows us just how mighty God is and just how much he cares by giving us these awesome tools to fight back. 
So with that, we're going to close out this week's episode. I thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I, I do want to encourage you guys continue to stay updated on uh, the development of the coronavirus. Don't give in to fear, but also be safe, right? I, I'm no medical professional. I won't pretend to be, but um, just make sure that you're taking the necessary precautions to keep you and your loved ones safe. Continue praying for those who are put themselves in the way of danger and, and for those who are dealing with this virus. Uh, and, and, and with that, we'll see you back next week to finish out our conversation on becoming a prayer warrior. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope that you feel encouraged and challenged by today's message. And as always, we can't wait to see you back here next week.